You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to the Brandy Show. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Brandstatter, and this is my podcast. We'll get together every week to talk about football, primarily the University of Michigan Wolverines and the Big Ten Conference, with occasional forays into the national picture. We'll also keep up with the Detroit Lions and the NFL. Along the way, we'll have some surprises. We'll certainly have some fun guests and take a tangent or two that has nothing to do with football, like old movies or cooking. Who knows what? Sit back and relax and enjoy The Brandy Show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Episode 9 of The Brandy Show. And this is a big Lions show today. The Lions beat Green Bay at Ford Field, and uh, we'll be joined by former Lions quarterback Eric Hippel to talk Lions and his more important role nowadays as an advocate for mental health issues. Really, really good stuff from Eric. Also on tap, we'll muse about current quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame. Who's out there playing today that might make their way to Canton? We'll have our trivia too deep, the 2014 Michigan offense, so get your thinking caps on. Our facts, legends, and lore today is a Michigan Stadium factoid, something you probably didn't know. In college football, Michigan beats Maryland, sets up a showdown with Wisconsin, and we'll talk Big Ten football and Michigan football with former Michigan quarterback Devin Gardner. Right now, let's get to work on the Lions in the NFL, and the Lions beat the Packers 31-23 this past weekend. Big, huge victory, a must-win. And joining us to talk about that win, former Lions quarterback Eric Hippel, one of my favorite guys Played a long time ago here in Detroit, but still maintains residence in Detroit. Now doing something more important, which we'll get into a little bit later. But Eric, first of all, great to have you along. Great to be here, Jim. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate you more than you know. Oh, believe me, I appreciate you more than you know, especially in the last few years when uh, you've made it out from a dark hole and now you're pour- pouring light on a, on a very big issue that a lot of people need to hear about and uh, we need light thrown on it. But in the first, first things first, let's talk football. What did you think of the victory uh, over Green Bay the other day? That was huge. It was a must-win for the Lions, wasn't it? It, it was. It was huge, and, and especially beating Green Bay uh, with Aaron Rodgers in, in our house because that's been something that's been very difficult to do. I don't think we've done it while he's playing. But the, um, the, what was nice to see is the finishing, first of all, but also all components of the Lions playing well. And um, and then when something did come down to a crucial moment that we keep it dry and alive, we kept it alive and, and and put it away. That's what was really cool to see. Yeah, the other thing I thought was really really important about that game, and this is when the Packers were coming back. They made it twenty four fourteen. The Lions went on an eight play seventy five yard drive. To me, that was what won the game because at that point momentum was on the Packers side, and Matthew Stafford took them right down the field. And I thought that drive may have been. Who knows the defining moment of this season or a turning point this season for this football team? Uh, exactly, and you know, in, in the past, you know, we've had, you know, when the, Matt was always, Matt was always good at like, uh, you know, the last two minutes or coming back and making these great comebacks. But to 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 put a sustainable drive in when you needed to have the drive in, it's still early enough. Uh, to where you can take the game back and keep control of it was what was kind of missing, and so that was uh, that was really important. You know, Matthew's kind of a, and this is a great perspective for you as a quarterback that played in the league. And uh, there were guys that were kind of coming up behind you that everybody thought you were the guy, and some people thought maybe you weren't the guy. It's like the most difficult positions to play in this city is the quarterback of the Detroit Lions or the goalie for the Detroit Red Wings, and it's tough. 
And and a lot of people are giving Matthew this like he's not the guy. They need to get rid of him in order for them to go somewhere. I am not in that. I'm not in that group. I think this guy is a big time quality elite quarterback. What is your take on Matthew? Um, I'm in your school. Um, I, I do too. I believe. I, first of all, he's a he's a he's a good guy. Okay, so from a personality standpoint of view, that's cool. Especially when we have a team that needs a leader. Okay, that can lead people the proper way. That's one. But the other part is he does not get rattled. Um, he picks himself up after every play, and he goes after the next play. He rallies himself. He plays really, really well under stress, um, except for Monday night game. <laughs> he plays really, really well <laughs> under stress, and um, and I think that's a key component of a quarterback. Um, you know, he's got a lot to deal with, obviously, as we all do when we go through these different transitional stuff, and you know, coaching changes, and and and, uh, and you know, player changes, and all this stuff going with it loss of running backs and, and those things that happen, which puts a lot of stress on him as a quarterback. Um, but I think he is the guy, and this may be the year that he can take us all the way. And I really feel that way. I feel if he gets in the Super Bowl, it'll be a win. Um, if we get ourselves in a good position in the playoffs um, with a full team, I think we will win. Um, but I have all confidence in the world with them, and, and quite frankly, I think sort of the coaching staff and certainly those in the management. Yeah, and the other thing is that maybe for the first time in maybe his career, He's got a running game. He's got Carrion Johnson. He's got uh, Legarrette Blunt. Those guys, I think, cover him a little bit, give him a little cover so that the game isn't completely on his shoulders, that he has something else to go to. That, to me, makes Matthew a better quarterback, and that could be a scary thought because he being better, man, that's that's tall order there. Well, you know, the, the thing about having a running running game is it, it changes the dynamic of the quarterback so drastically because now defenses, um, you don't have to, you're not being dictated to what you only can do because of the defenses. You now actually can attack a defense, and now you're dictating. That means the throwing game, the coverages, you know, what the, uh, the, the way you manage the, uh, you know, the defensive backs and the strong safeties and the blitzes is completely different. Um, you got an action play action pass uh, game going, which freezes linebackers, which gives you ISOs. I mean, it just it, it changes the game completely, and I think uh, it will certainly make him much better and enhance his game completely. Absolutely. Um, the one thing that I – and I'm not going to be the guy that throws cold water on this deal uh, and the victory, but the one thing that I still have concerns with, being the old analyst that I am, Eric, you look at this game from a anal- analytical standpoint – the Packers still put 521 yards on the board. Rodgers threw for 442 and three touchdowns. The Lions only had 264 in total offense. Green Bay missed four field goals on an extra point, and they turned it over three times. So you're kind of looking at that going, boy, they really gave the game a lot to Detroit. But the point is Detroit took the game. But that's the underlying issues that I think the Lions still, they have to look at and work on in order for them to go forward. they got to correct some of those issues, don't they? Well, of course. I mean, you don't want anybody running that many yards up against you. But in the same token, you know, the they forced the fumbles. They forced, you know, the, the they forced Aaron Rodgers to fumble twice. I mean, those are forces from that defense. And so, if you don't take an aggressive stance and make things happen, sometimes the you know, other areas that you know they're going to give. Um, the main thing is winning the game and um, and keeping composure and throughout the game and being able to do that. And so, I think they did that really, really well. Um, and I, I think that's really the, the past key point. You know, we don't want to say, oh, we did all this, but we lost the game at the end because of this play. Um, this is just the opposite, which is, you know, I don't care how many you know, you run against me if I'm winning, you know, and we're causing fumbles, we're causing turnovers. 
Um, I don't think we had any, uh, any influence over Crosby missing his kicks, but uh, nonetheless, <laughs> we'll, we'll take that piece of it. Absolutely. But I actually think you know, the aggressiveness of defense and making plays and uh, is what really counts. It's the W that's important, isn't it? It really is, because I, I tell you what, when you sit down and analyze all this stuff, and everybody gets graded on their job, because that does happen with Gunnar Smith's a win or loss. When you sit down in front of town, and you're being graded, and that happens after every game, you know, that's where your improvement is. Okay, so you can look at that and say, what did we do wrong? What could I do better? And regardless of it's a win or loss. It's just easier and, and more positive to look at improvement when you win the game, as opposed to we lost this game, because then things are always negative. And so you can still have improvement even after a win because we do every play gets graded after every game. Great. The Lions three and two, two and three rather after their victory over the Packers. Right now we're going to talk to Eric about uh, his other job, and that is as a healthcare advocate, especially for mental illness and um, depression. Uh, Eric is going to be later this week uh, at a healthcare leadership summit down in Dearborn, and he has become a big speaker for that. Eric, tell me about how your life has changed because you experienced some real difficulties in your life and you've really come back from that. As I said in our intro, you've dug yourself out of quite a dark, deep hole. Talk to me about what you're doing now to help others get out of that same hole that they may not even know they're in. And I think that's a really important piece of that is the awareness and um, having a, um, I don't want to say an answer, but just having an understanding of what's going on because once we understand something, at least then I can take an action plan against it. And when you don't understand what is happening to you, um, you know, we have a great feedback loop in our brain, you know, but uh, if it's on a negative cycle, then it's feedback negative things. And without having uh, an answer for something, then it continues to go so, to do so. Um, I was fortunate enough to, um, through, you know, through loss and through my own issues and, and stuff that happened to have somebody who stepped in at the University of Michigan Depression Center. Um, specifically Dr. Graydon, who um, kind of made an overture and kind of became my mentor in that area. And so I started receiving treatment, but also the understanding, education. And so what I, my mission is to get that same information out to somebody who might be in a position that I was in and say there is hope, not only that, but there is also um, not only survive, but you can also thrive. And I think that's what I try and convey. And so the thing on Monday with the business and the mental health summit is mind and body because this connection that we have it's not just a physical thing it's also how we think um or we understand and the more understanding that we have about something that the more we can actually do about it there's more resources that there's plenty of resources out there but if you have no idea why you're in this hole it's really hard to get out of it and eric that's kind of the way you were because i read an article just recently and i didn't realize this and i've known you for over 30 years that you say you've missed you missed the third quarter of your junior year in college because you couldn't get out of bed because that was about depression. And you never even knew that that was what it was that was causing you these problems, right? Yeah, because we try and put it on something that makes sense to us. Like, I can't get out of bed. Well, it must be the weather. It must be because, you know, Southern California is where I grew up. And, you know, this is wintertime. It's cold. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll get it going. And not really understanding what the, you know, I you know, I'm rehabbing an injury. Well, all this stuff that we, we put on, well, this makes sense to us. Without even if we don't have an understanding of what you know the, the truth is that yeah, there are brain illnesses that are out there that can affect um, you know our thoughts and moods and our, and, our, and our actions, and and so we get stuck on something else. A big piece of that has been in the, in the recent past, which has been you know this this concussion and CTE and and those things that are out there 
that now players who are going through tough times of transition, they might have their own mental health issues. They might be going through something, but they, instead of like looking at that part of it, they tag it onto, oh, it's CTE. Oh, it's brain concussion. That's what's wrong with me. And that's a natural thing to do is to put to something that you might relate to other than the thing that might be really going on. Because if you've never been that door been open to you and have an understanding of it, then you're, you don't know. And the other thing you're doing is with the Eisenhower Center over in Ann Arbor is you've started this thing or you're involved in this thing called After the Impact. And you're getting military servicemen who have had their difficulties with like PTSD involved in your outreaching with football players. And you're kind of putting it all together that shared experiences. And these guys kind of get get it, I guess, after they are able to see and talk to each other. Is, is that where you're going for this? You know, uh, it was over the course of work uh, doing stuff with the Navy uh, for like about 10 years now, uh, doing destructive behavior prevention workshops. And then um, knowing what I know about our own population and, and former players is that those transitions are very, very difficult. Um, identity, you know, I wore a uniform. Um, this is who I was. The support system, which is all, you know, internalized as far as, hey, it's us against, you know, the rest of the world out there. And um, that kind of locker room mentality as well. And then all of a sudden when it's over, all this stuff's taken away. And so you have grief, you have loss, you have, you know, um, where your support system was, you feel kind of lost and not know where to turn to. And I think those two populations in law enforcement and any type of branch that's like that, that has those same, uh, like things that when it's over with, you can't go do them anywhere else. And, and, and so they kind of recognize each other and wow, you're here. I watched you play football, you know, on TV when I was in Afghanistan and now you're sitting across me. What happened? And the same, you know, vice versa, which is, hey, um, I played this wonderful game and thankful for you for giving us freedom that I was able to do that. So what's going on with you? And it just breaks down those barriers so much faster than they have actually crosstalk. Wow. I mean, Eric, I mean, that's, that's, that's impressive. And it's uh, extremely strong, in my opinion, of how people can react to each other, especially warriors from the battlefield and warriors from a gridiron. And I think that's great that you're putting that together. To be quite frank, all the great success you had at quarterback, in my judgment, you're having greater success and greater impact today as this uh, spokesman and advocate for mental health and depression. And I'm not trying to blow any smoke up your skirt yeah. here. Kid. No, no, no. <laughs> I, no I, 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 I actually really appreciate that. And, um, you know, as much as I love playing for the Detroit Lions and playing in the NFL and the highs, and there's a lot of moves as well, but a lot of the highs that were there, those things are really, really hard to, um, to repeat and capture. But the fulfillment of what I'm doing today is far greater than that. And I, I, I feel like I just really lead a very blessed and fulfilled life that, that I'm able to help others. And it also gives meaning uh, to, my, uh, to my son's loss. Yeah. And, um, and that's everything to me. Well, Eric, I want you to know we are blessed to have you on the planet at the same time we are and, and what you're doing. So thank you so much for being on our podcast. Anytime you want to get the word out about what you're doing, you let me know. And we'll get you on the air doing something, okay? Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate it, man. You're the best. Talk to you later, Eric. Okay, thank you. You Bye. bet. That's Eric Hippel, everybody. Uh, Eric, of course, former Detroit Lion quarterback now, working with the Eisenhower Center in Ann Arbor on depression and mental health, and uh, just a great guy. And like I said, I mean it. Um, what he's doing today far exceeds what he ever did as a quarterback in the National Football League. Uh, talking about the National Football League, let's get back to football after that great discussion with Eric. Uh, this past weekend, we saw the league kind of shake out. I think Minnesota has turned the corner. The Vikings in the NFC North, they beat Philly 30-23-21. to 
Uh, Vikes now 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. I, I think that's a huge win for them. The Bears had a bye. They still lead the NFC North despite the Lions' 31-23 win. Uh, right now the Bears look like the bully in the NFC North. Around the league, let's look at some eyebrow raisers or what we saw. Not all the games, but scores from certain games and comments on those games. The Steelers beat the Falcons 41-17. The Falcons are now 1-4. and four. Fans, the Falcons, who are a team that I think many people thought might make a run at the Super Bowl, are not going to do it. They're just not the team they were a couple of years ago when they very narrowly uh, beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think the Falcons are kind of on the way down. The Steelers got a huge victory for them, and they've kind of reestablished themselves. The Bengals are 4-1 and one now, too. They beat the Dolphins 27-17. Look out for the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals and Steelers and Ravens in the— and that AFC uh, uh, Central, they may be tough. They may be tough. The, the Bengals are coming on. Andy Dalton's really becoming a darn good quarterback. Rams continue to impress. They beat the Seahawks 33-31. There's 5-0. The Browns win. They get the Ravens 12-9. Browns are an approved team. I think I said that uh, the beginning of the year. And the Browns, uh, with a late field goal in overtime, win over the Ravens 12-9. Bad loss for the Ravens, in my opinion. The Chiefs, like the Rams... Best in the AFC, in my opinion. Uh, they beat the Jaguars 30-14. to The Jags have a great defense, and yet the Chiefs knock them out 30-14. to That's pretty amazing. The Saints beat the Redskins 43-19, and the Saints are now 4-1. and They are a factor. But more importantly in that game, Drew Brees becomes the all-time leader in passing yardage. He passes Brett Favre and Peyton Manning. Now, that Brees performance was amazing, but it prompted in my mind to come up with a question. And I want all you guys to play along out there that are listening to my podcast. Let me know what you think on my Facebook page or on my Twitter account at Jim Brandstatter. Here's the question and what my grubby little mind thought of when I watched Breeze throw for all those yards the other night. What current NFL quarterbacks active are first ballot, first year, eligible Hall of Famers? I mean, clearly, I think with Breeze's performance, he's... He's in there, right? He's the guy that's in there as an active player. The other two, I think, that are automatics are Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I also think, and and there may be some argument here, but I want you guys to tell me whether you think this is right. I think Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning are also guys that I think probably first-round Hall of Famers that get to go to Canton. Roethlisberger's got two Super Bowls. Manning's got two. Maybe they've had some troubles along the way, but they've had long careers. They've been the face of their franchises for quite a while. So I think numbers-wise, those guys probably are also first ballot guys. Here's one that I think is interesting. He's really not won a Super Bowl or anything, but he's spent a long time in the league, and he's been really good, and his numbers are outstanding. Phillip Rivers, he's now out in L.A. with the Chargers. And I just think his numbers by themselves are outstanding enough that they'll match up with other quarterbacks in the hall. Is he a first ballot guy? I don't know. That's why I thought the question would be fun for all of us to ponder. And the jury is still out on guys like Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, and Joe Flacco. And yes, I'm going to include his name, Matthew Stafford. And the reason I'm going to include his name, because his numbers, when it's all done, are going to be really, really good, I think. And and whether the idea of winning playoff games and Super Bowls comes into the conversation when you're deciding a guy into the Hall of Fame or not, that's where I think Matthew will be uh, judged. 
He has not won a playoff game and obviously not a Super Bowl. But from a pure number standpoint, Matthew Stafford can put his numbers against any other quarterback that's played in this league and not take a back seat. So those guys, I think the jury's still out. If you think that you want to argue that or have some uh, comment in regards to my list of surefire uh, Hall of Famers, Brady Breeze, Rogers, Roethlisberger, Manning, and where's Philip Rivers fit? Give me a shout out on my Facebook page, Jim Branstad, or my Twitter account at Jim Branstadter. Don't go away. When we come back, we'll talk Michigan football with quarterback Devin Gardner, former Wolverine starter at the signal caller spot. That's coming up next on The Brandy Show. The Brandy Show is a Zing Media Group production. Zing Media Group, tell your story. Welcome back to The Brandy Show, everybody. We're moving our attention from the professional game. Let's go to the college game. And uh, Michigan beats Maryland this past weekend 42-21 and sets up a real showdown with Wisconsin. And we are joined in studio today with uh, Michigan's Devin Gardner, played quarterback for the Wolverines a few years back. Devin, first of all, great to have you along. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here, and uh, let's go. Let's go. What did you think of that Maryland victory? I thought uh, they were hitting on all eight for the most part uh, offensively. I think Shea Patterson, you know being a quarterback and being mobile, that his ability to move and make plays and extend plays is the difference in this football team, isn't it? question to me uh he's taking some flex for some reason i don't know from where i don't know a lot of fans you know are never happy and so um he he has a unique ability to be like a careful risk taker right and so he's taking some risks but he's not putting his team in, in harm's way and and i think the reason that he can do that is because uh we have such a good defense, right? And I think when the season goes on and our, our offense continues to develop and Shea continues to develop a rapport with the receivers and the tight ends, I think that we're going to be able to look back at how they were able to come along slowly because of how dominant our defense is, right? And so we get a chance to do things that maybe we ordinarily wouldn't do or take chances that we wouldn't take just because of that defense, right? And it's allowed our offense to really develop, and, and it's and it's kind of amazing to see. It is amazing. And the other thing is, and Deardorff used this term uh, the other day when we were playing against Maryland, mm. he would get a free runner. You've right. seen those yeah. before right. on a blitz. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> I know you have. And uh, you did as well as you could against them, but that's a tough situation. Yeah. You've got to find a way to escape that. He did it twice and turned those into touchdown passes. That's something Michigan hasn't had maybe since you've been there. Right, and so the the, the thing that even that's even more impressive than that for me because in this game, you know, he saw those free rushers. He was able to get out of the pocket and do a, a lot of good things with his legs. But previously in a few other games, he's had free rushers where he stood in there and he's taken right in the mouth, right? And that's the sign of a, a courageous, a very good quarterback. And I think that's why the team is kind of – he's kind of galvanized the team and everybody's playing for him because they realize, okay, we got a tough guy back there that if we happen to make a mistake, you know, offensive line continues to get better every week. And, and you know, they take a lot of flack, but our quarterback is throwing for 70% of his passes completed. So I don't think they're playing that bad, right? And so our running back has six runs over 30 yards for, for the season, right? And so – you know, they're playing well and they're continuing to develop, but the entire team, the defensive unit, everybody, the special teams, they all see our quarterback, who's not the biggest guy, right? Kind of small in stature, 
but he's standing right in there and he's taking in the mouth and delivering a great ball. And and that's that's what's really bringing this offense along, right? They believe that they have a guy that's going to make a play. And now the offensive line can play freely. And I think the diversity and the play calling has really helped the offensive line, right? So the defense is playing unsure. And you know as well as I do and everybody that has been around the game and played the game that when you're playing kind of unsure, there's no way you can play effective and fast. I like to tell, tell people that if you're thinking about it, that's not a good thing. Right. And, and you the, have to react. The offense and the ability to, for Shea, and, and I think it was very important to get some read option on film of him pulling the ball and taking it, right, because he's not Denard Robinson. So the team, the, the other teams are going to want to stop the running back, right? And when, when you give up a big run to a quarterback who is not a Denard Robinson or or a Black, Braxton Miller, you know, uh, a few Big Ten quarterbacks that have been very explosive runners, it, it's, it's demoralizing for a defense, right? And so he's done that a few times. And so now you can see on the on the run action, sometimes it, it, it gives the appearance of a read option, but the, the defense van is being blocked and it's not a read option. But the linebackers are reacting as if it is a read option and it's giving the defense a lot of trouble. And just that type of thing has really allowed the offensive line to really get their feet under them and, and get hands on guys. And, and then we do the big play action pass. I mean, I'm really loving watching Michigan football right and now. And the other thing, too, for you, and you mentioned it three or four times, thank God you did. The offensive line. I'm one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a quarterback. Oh, yeah. But that offensive line, everything begins and ends with them, doesn't Without it? question. And when they get you time, when they get you holes, or the running backs, right. Karan Higdon holes, everything seems to fit and mesh up. Even, as you said, the defense sees what's going mm-hmm. on. They get fired up. Their quarterback is taking right. hits. And everybody is kind of working in the same direction and pulling in the same way. And that's right. what makes a team really good, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's contagious, right? All attitudes are contagious, whether positive or negative. And right now we have a really positive attitude and, and everybody's trying to improve and everybody continues to get better, right? And so in between between weeks, we don't have huge uh, giant in, improvements, right? We have small incremental improvements from every week, and and now from the Notre Dame game to the American, Maryland game, it looks almost like an entirely different team. The other thing is helpful for a quarterback like Shea Patterson, and I know you could talk to it, is that the ability for your tight end to become a integral part oh, as, yeah. of your passing game. Yeah, and Zach Gentry and Sean McCune. When you look, I mean, everybody likes. Peoples Jones can make plays. Ronnie Bell can make plays. Right. Grant Perry can make plays. Nico Collins can make plays. These are all wide guys, slot receivers. But when your tight end gets seven for 93 yards in a game, I mean, that's like uh, an insurance policy for right. a quarterback, isn't it? I mean, definitely. And it just adds another weapon. So I'm going to, co- I'm trying to count these weapons out. And you just, you throw something in if I forget. So we got Ronnie Bell, yep. who, who's emerged as a really good player. Donovan Peoples Jones, Nico Collins, uh, Grant Perry, Tariq Black, who could be back. Um, Chris Evans, who's great out of the backfield, you know, receiving, right? Hey, Karan so, can get, Karan can make a play out Karan, of that. So that, that's seven weapons and we haven't gotten to the tight ends, right? <laughs> and so I'm envious of, uh, of a Shay at this, yeah, oh my gosh. You would have loved right? to have had some of that. I mean, huh? I had some pretty good players, you know, but I mean, that's seven guys who are legitimate. Fourth down, third down, I can trust you. I'm going to give you the ball, and it's going to be great for our team. And if it doesn't work, we know that we can come back to you and you you won't lose confidence and things like that. And every time he puts that ball where it's kind of a 50-50, maybe, maybe we'll get it, maybe not, we're coming up with the plays, and and that's a trust that you can't you can't practice that trust in practice, right? Only on the main street, right? You on state street, you can't really practice that type of trust that you have and and belief that you have that a guy's gonna make a play for you when maybe it shouldn't be made, right? And so they continue to do it for him, and uh, Shay's. 
He's really looked like a gunslinger back there. I'm really loving the chances he's taking. Like I said, a careful risk taker. You know, he's having a lot of conviction in his throws, no matter what throw it is, and, it, and, and it's going to bowl well for us moving forward. You got Wisconsin this week. It's This is a game where it's up front, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be about the offensive and defensive lines because both question. teams are pretty much mirror image of themselves offensively, don't yeah. you think? Yeah, so I think that that, that is true. We are mirror, kind of mirror images of each other. Maybe our defense, no, 100%. Our defense is better than their defense, right? And I think that the big difference is going to be uh, our quarterback is going to make less mistakes than theirs, right? I think our defense is going to force their quarterback into a few more mistakes than they like, and I think that our quarterback will not make more mistakes than theirs. You know, I'm sure he'll make mistakes and whatnot, but I don't think there'll be any devastating mistakes that's going to lose us the game, right? And so I think that uh, Shea's going to be called on to make some plays because I think that the Wisconsin team is going to say, we understand that you've been playing well, but uh, we don't we don't believe it yet, right? And so <laughs> they're going to make sure that they stop Kron Higdon, who they know for sure will explode on them if they allow it. And uh, Shea's going to have to make some plays, and I think that he will uh, produce. All right. Thanks for talking about Wisconsin, but now we get into Devin Gardner. We're going to have some fun with you now. Oh, here it goes. Here it goes. Uh, we're going to talk about your career. We're going to talk about what you're doing now, kind of a where are they now mm. little deal. But also, I've got my trivia too deep here. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> the 2014 offense, you know who the quarterback was on that team? Uh, Devin Gardner? For yeah, 200? that was the- <laughs> Oh, yes. Okay, okay, okay. So, I so got it. You got Devin Gardner. One for one. Here one we go. For one. All right. But now you've got to name me your offense. You should be good at this. Here we go. Give me the wide receiver. Uh, Devin Funches, Amar Darbo. I mean, you've got I guess two you can, of them. You can throw uh, J.U. Chesson in there. You know, Dennis Norfleet? Dennis Norfleet, you know, our gadget guy right, for sure. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, tight end. Tight end. We got Jake Butt, the old booty. Uh, you got Booty in there, but yeah. you got A.J. Williams. We got A.J. Williams, our nice blocker, who actually caught a touchdown versus Iowa, but I, didn't help me up when I got destroyed. <laughs> A.J. I'm still waiting on you to help me up. Okay, your first touchdown, you don't appreciate it. You're celebrating for yourself. I got destroyed, and it's cold, and a lot's going on. You know who else played tight end back then who moved on to fullback is Khalil Hill. Oh, yeah, he sure was. Khalil Hill was actually a very good tight end. Yes, he was. And he got he tore his ACL in practice, and from there, he he, he kind of wasn't the, as nimble and as fast and stuff, and you know he moved to fullback and had a good career for himself. Okay, cross the front line, left tackle or right tackle? Left tackle, we got uh, Mason Cole. Got it. We got uh, left guard, kind of interchangeable a little bit, but we had uh, Graham Glasgow, and then we had Jack Miller at center, but Graham Glasgow also played center. And then we had Joy Brzezinski mixed with uh, Kyle Kalis. Right. Mixed with also uh, um, Ben Braden. Ben, no, Ben Braden was a tackle. He was the right yeah, tackle. I, don't, I, I won't forget Ben Braden. I love Ben <laughs> Braden. But. At guard, we had another guy, uh, Kyle Bosch, who actually was interchangeable at that guard position as well. So the guards kind of interchangeable, but Mason Cole, uh, Ben Braden, and and Jack Miller and Glam Glasgow were the centers. Yep. All right, fullbacks. Fullbacks. We used fullbacks. You did? Believe. Yes, we did. Oh, and you got another one. Oh, Joey Carriage. There you go. Joey you Carriage. Him. I Joey love Car- him. Yes, and, Joey and, Carriage. And big guy, Sione. Homa. Yes, Sione Homa, who... He came on like after I left more so, but he was great in practice, and I love Sione. Okay, running backs. Uh, we had – did not have Fitzgerald Toussaint. Nope. We had um, – J- I call him Jadavion Clowney, <laughs> even though J- – Jadavion Smith, even though it's Davion Smith. Right. Uh, we had Derek Green. Yes, uh, we did. We had 
Justice Hayes, who yes. I love, who was a phenomenal blocker for us, hey. even though he wasn't as big as now everybody else. Now, that's amazing because he's listed on my sheet as the fourth guy. There's yeah, the third he was guy. a good player. The third guy, you remember, he's from Ann Arbor. Yes, with Drake, uh, Drake, Drake uh, Johnson. Johnson. Yes. You did great. No yeah. more. Yeah, that's why you're a quarterback. You know all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know, i got to be a pretty good teammate. Got to know everybody's name yep. and stuff. So. Well, A.J. sure got his from you today. Oh yeah! Celebrating oh, in the yeah. end zone. He, yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm rolling out. I, I've extended the play. I find him late in the end zone. He was supposed to be blocking. I don't even know how he ended up there. <laughs> and then I just get destroyed by one of Iowa's linebackers, and and I, and I find him late, and I'm just laying there face uh, face up, but like can't like move because I've been destroyed by this grown man who lifts <laughs> a lot of weights and probably takes creatine and all that kind of stuff. And all I see is just a party in the end zone with I'm like. I know it's your first touchdown, but hey, remember the guy who gave you that and first you were, touchdown? Just you now. were probably the ball was leaving your fingers when the guy put his hand oh, on your chest. Right in my, it was clearly a penalty, but you know we didn't get many penalty calls for the <laughs> University of Michigan. You know, at the quarterback position, so I mean, hopefully, if they do it to our quarterback this year, that they will make more calls for us, especially at home, which seems we don't get many calls at home. Uh, they've it's weird. Been, they've been, yeah, they've been talking about that a little bit. Let's go about Devin. What's up, Devin? Up to 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 the, today? I'm doing a lot of different things. Uh, I'm 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 gonna live my dream at some point. I'm I'm starting a little league team, uh-huh. right? So and I haven't thought of a name yet, but I'm getting all the paperwork and forms together. So I'm excited. It's gonna be uh, eight years old through 14 years old in the in the league that I actually played in, the police athletic league. So I'm excited about that. I'm doing radio shows with WTKA. I'm doing a lot of different things, you know, just trying to get my hands in as many things and helping and living the thing, doing the things I want to do. And you're doing a lot of outreach stuff and teaching, not actually teaching like yeah. a teacher, but you're helping youngsters understand right. where the, they should be headed. Right. And, and I think that's a great aspect of what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. And so the young football players, when they get to college, right, it's, it's kind of overwhelming, right? And even when they get to high school and, and they don't have anybody that's actually been through it and can tell them about the mental aspect of it as, as well as the, the athletic aspect, right? And so that's what I kind of try to do, try to harden kids, right? Because coaches, when you get to that next level, they're, they're not there to try to harden you, right? They're, they're they expect you to be relatively tough mentally and physically. And so they just want to keep, continue to mode that and you know some kids I saw a lot of kids coming to University of Michigan you know uh, while I was there and they just aren't mentally or physically tough enough and and I think that if they had something at, at the 10 year old at 10 years old 12 years old 11 years old some guy that can try try to mold them and, and kind of shape them into the man that they need to try to be moving forward I think that that would have been great for them and you would see a lot of players that you know had a lot of potential but didn't quite pan out and, and I think that's the reason because it can be overwhelming in college. Two things, Devin, about your career. None of them have to do with playing. It's about your character mm. that I I remember. Uh, and one of them was you got the number 98. Yes. The Tom Harmon's number when Dave Brandon, the athletic director, decided right. to go legacy numbers. Right. And uh, that was a large load, I know, on your shoulders because everybody out there knows about Tom Harmon's, the mm. old number 98. You took that on with right. grace, uh, with class. And uh, talk to me how you mentally kind of prepared and got yourself to take that retired number, that iconic number, and wear it during the season when there were a lot of people out there who honestly didn't like to see it come back. Right. I mean, so just, you know, aside from that, being the Michigan quarterback comes with a lot of responsibility, but then it's like that that's just a lot of added responsibility. But for me, uh, growing up, uh, two older brothers, an older sister who who also beat me up along with them, it's like it's like I was getting bullied really, really badly, you know. <laughs> and uh, – 
growing up with them and then having a coach like Coach Greg Carter, who coaches at Oak Park High School, coached me at Inkster High School. And, and, and through my years, I was kind of hardened, right, mentally and, and, and physically, you know. And so getting to Michigan and getting a chance to be around one of the most insane coaches, Coach Rodriguez, who was pretty insane, that hardens you, right? And so by the time I'm a fifth-year senior or, or junior, uh, I'm, I'm pretty mentally and physically tough, right? And so I, I, the outside noise is something that doesn't bother me, right? And so I, I knew – and my teammates knew exactly what was going on inside the building. They knew how hard I worked, and they knew some of the issues that we kind of faced. And 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 I think that that was more comforting and and and, and helped me be able to cope with you know you know the pressures, I guess you would say, of of wearing a, such a prestigious number. And and for their family, it was more of an honor than 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 pressure, right? Because for their family to say, hey, this is the guy we want to wear it, and 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 all the and everybody knows the, about how Tom Harmon was such an amazing person and things like this. And for them to say, uh, and athlete, for them to say that I'm the type of guy that embodies some of what what he displayed for the University of Michigan and for uh, a, a human, right? in life was was amazing for me and and I still you know try to if, if I'm playing on a team I try to get number 98 at, at all times well Devin you uh exhibited that humanness mm. in the other story I want to talk about with you at Ohio State right JT Barrett breaks his leg very serious injury the quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes in Columbus and you as a Michigan player come out and help comfort him all right Devin, that got more play, I think, and more publicity than a lot of things. Tell me your thought process when you see it, because that was something you just said in your mind, I got to go out and see this guy. Right. What went through your mind? Because I thought that was a wonderful, wonderful act of kindness. I mean, let's be clear. I mean, a lot of people don't. I mean, some people have seen the clip from uh, Penn State where I kind of lost it a little bit, but I didn't lose it much. You know what I mean? But my teammates knew I was a fire-breathing dragon, right? So as an athlete and as a competitor – I'm probably in, I'm pretty insane, right? My my high school coach always say like you have to stop playing like a linebacker. You don't right? get you don't get where you got without being a right. little bit off the edge. And so that's that's just the kind of competitor I am. But I'm also a human, right? And so when you see a guy who who's played well and and you want to beat teams at their best, right? You want to beat guys when they have their best uh, on the field. And when you see a guy who's young, right? He was young at the time and he played very well. Was called uh, he was called to duty a little earlier than he thought he would, right? And so when you see a guy and, and you don't know if he'd ever play again, right? You don't know. I mean, he broke his leg and it was pretty gruesome uh, what happened. And so you, you really don't. When they start bringing out the cart and that air cast, you know, it's just never good. And you just don't know moving forward what would happen, right? And so how does he handle it? I don't know. But, I mean, I felt like it was my duty as a, as a mature person and as a, as a guy who respects the game of football, respects the rivalry, and respects uh, humans as a people, you know, to go out and, and, and say a little prayer and just make sure that he knows that as long as he continues to persevere and stay strong, that he'll be, he'll be, he'll be just fine. Well, Devin, that was a beautiful uh, gesture on your part, and I yeah. can't tell you how much I enjoyed it and appreciated it back at the time. Right. First time I've had a chance, I think, to talk to you about it. But yeah. uh, that says a lot about Devin Gardner, the person. And ultimately, you're going to have to live with Devin Gardner, the person, a lot longer than Devin I Gardner, the football player. I will have to live with Devin Gardner, the person, for a lot longer. Yes, you will. Yes. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, no problem. I'm going to continue on real quickly, go over the Big Ten. I've got my factoids. You want to stick around for the factoids about Michigan Stadium. Uh, this week in the Big Ten, eyebrow raisers. Northwestern beats Michigan State 29-19 at Spartan Stadium. And I think Michigan State right now, that's just a mystery what's going on up there. Injuries have hurt MSU clearly in key spots, but they should be better 
then 29-19 at home against Northwestern. Now, Wildcats are pretty good, but Michigan State now has a real problem. They go to Penn State this week. The Nittany Lions are off a bye. The Spartans off a loss. But we're going to learn a lot about Michigan State this coming week. The other game I thought was an eyebrow raiser, Ohio State 49, Indiana 26. Now, the Buckeyes struggled early against Indiana, but they finally blow out the Hoosiers. Now, Dwayne Haskins at quarterback exploded in the passing game. This guy's the real deal. I think he's pushing um, Trace McSorley at Penn State for maybe player of the year in the Big Ten. But Indiana getting 26 against the Buckeyes and hanging in there for a while, that got my attention a little bit, raised my eyebrows a little bit. This week, the interesting matchups, I think Iowa at Indiana. I think Indiana's that little sleeper team out there. They're going to get somebody. Maybe it's Iowa this week. And, of course, Wisconsin at Michigan is the game of the day. It's at night, the Wolverines taking on the Wisconsin Badgers. Both teams have lost once. Michigan uh, losing to Notre Dame, Wisconsin to BYU, both games out of conference. So they're unbeaten in the conference. One team in the West Division, one team in the East. It doesn't matter. This game is going to go a long way to determine who shows up in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship. All right, here's our facts, legends, and lore. We're going to tell you a little bit about Michigan Stadium. Do you know that the price tag for the construction of Michigan Stadium in 1927 was just shy of a million bucks? It was $950,000. Today, that amount would equate to more than... Who knows what? It's up there in the atmosphere. It's up there near the national debt. And with the addition of the club level and suites, that number is way up there. At the time of construction, the stadium contained 70 rows and was designed to seat 72,000 fans. That was it. With the addition of wooden bleachers around the top, because it really just came up, to ground level. And then they added wooden bleachers at the top. It was 84401. And since they named 84401 in 1927, every capacity of the stadium has had the 01 at the end. And the 01 at the end, we're not sure yet because it's about a legend. It's kind of, nobody's real sure. But that 01 is supposedly a seat that they have saved for Fielding Yost or Fritz Chrysler. We're not sure which one in there coming down from football's Valhalla to sit in that uh, seat. But anyway, the capacities for Michigan Stadium have grown. In uh, 28, it was 85,753. In 49, 1949, it moved all the way up to 97,239. Then in 1956, seven years later, they went to 101,001. In 73, which is two years after I played, it went up to 101,701, and I'm not sure how. Maybe Canham painted the seats a little bit smaller so the fannies couldn't sit as many seats, and he got 700 more seats in the place. In 92, 102,501. In 98, it went up to 107,501. And then in 2008, because of the construction of the suites, the stadium capacity went down to 102,601. And right now in 2015, the capacity listed on the scoreboards is 107,601. And here's the real, real kicker. Back during construction, the underground spring where Michigan Stadium sits on the land, there's an underground spring, and it was capable of delivering 300 gallons of water per minute 
the water posed a problem during the construction of the stadium because you get down to the bottom of the field level of that stadium with that kind of water coming in. It was like quicksand. It was like an underground lake. Uh, the surface was like quicksand. You just couldn't get it dry. So during construction, a crane that was down there digging was swallowed up. It was swallowed up by the spring underneath Michigan Stadium. And according to the legend, the crane remains buried beneath the Michigan Stadium surface today. The high water table led to nearly three quarters of Michigan Stadium built below ground level. So when you're going in there and watching at the big house lately, look down there and say, not only is Fielding H. Jost and Benny Oosterbond's ghost in this stadium, Devin Gardner's great moments, you've also got a crane <laughs> buried under the 50-yard line in that block M. That's part of our facts, legends, and lore this week. We'll have some more next week. Hey, thanks for joining us on The Brandy Show. Don't forget, tune in Saturday night, Michigan versus Wisconsin. It's kickoff scheduled for 742. We'll have our pregame show starting at 630 on WWJ, News Radio 950 in the Detroit area, and check out state stations on the Michigan Football Network. If you come across our Facebook page, Jim Brandstatter, we would love it. If you liked it, follow us on Twitter at Jim Brandstatter. And make sure you tune in to Inside Michigan Football Sunday mornings at 10.30 on Channel 7 in Detroit. We also air at various times during the week on Fox Sports Detroit. Special thanks to Podcast Detroit for the technical help each week. And thanks to Zing Media Group's Kathleen Stevens, our producer. Thanks to Devin Gardner for joining us live. And thanks to Eric Hippel for today's comments. What a great job Eric does. What a great show this has been with two outstanding guests. Keep us on your radar each and every week. This has been The Brandy Show.